now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2 and UFM. Greg Richard here, joined as per usual by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Great to see you. It's, uh, it's Oscars Day. It is Oscars Day. Yes, we might have an Oscars special today. Why not? We Why? might as well get into it, roll out the red carpet for ourselves. <laughs> Why not? Here's a gold statue for you. Happy days. Uh, the, we, look, there's, look, there are actually movies with plants in the name, so we'll go through a couple of those later on. Excellent. Yes. Look, looking forward to it. I'm Shop, sure you are. Chomping at the bit for it. There'll be some puns there, I'm sure. What do you guys got for us today, Scotty? <laughs> I thought we might talk about Kentia palms and splitting and repotting your peace lily. Oh, right. Yeah. Just the peace lily? Just the peace lily. And, Scotch, what did you mention a bit earlier about... Plants, movies. It's, Movie it's, plants. It's Oscar Day. That's right. It's Oscar Day. I have absolutely no interest in it whatsoever, except for this part of it. Oh, well, the, just the, this segment we're about to do. Yes, that's, a, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> so we've got the plants with... No, the, movies with plants in title. plants name, yeah. I knew you'd get there eventually. Very well done. <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a few. There are. What's Eating Gilbert Grape? I think that's my favourite one. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Well, you've got War of the Roses. Yep. Yep. Day of the Triffids. That's pretty good. Yeah, plants definitely star in that movie. Is that an Aussie film? No, no, that's... Well, a, I'm, thinking the, I'm thinking of the band. No, that's an old, um, an old English film where the, mm. trip, where the plants come to life and they sting and attack. Yeah. Classic. Classic, Classic yeah. horror movie. What about uh, Killer Tomatoes? Oh, there's, a, there's like a f- three of them, isn't there? Are the sequels? So they've got sequels, have they? I'm what? pretty sure they do. Oh, the, the, one of them have to be the Killer Tomatoes Strike Back. You've got the Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, Actually, yeah. there's four. Oh, Killer Tomatoes Eat France. That is a beauty. Oh, Oscars, Oscars, Oscars. Who's going to win the plant golden statue today? Who knows? Who it's got to be one of the killer tomato ones. It'd have to be. Even under... Not recognised as well enough in the actual Oscars. <laughs> but it is Gardening Talk back on to you and FM. We've got Jill from East Maitland. And she's got advice about moving a grapevine. Hello, Jill. How can we help you? Oh, thank you, uh, Scott. Um, I have a grapevine that's... The, the, I've just pruned it. Um, it's in the middle of a rose garden. And I've, I'd like to move it, but I don't know whether I can or not. Uh, look, you can move it if you want to, but the best time to move a grapevine is obviously in winter when it's lost all its leaves and, it, and it's gone dormant. Yeah. Uh, then you can yes. give it a very, very heavy prune back and uh, dig it out of the ground. You can even give it a root prune at that time if you need to and uh, re- re-trans, uh, you know, repot it or uh, replant it after that. But look, most definitely winter is going to be the best time for you. If you do decide to move it at the moment... Oh, look, you can do it. You just have to make sure that you take as much soil as possible with you around the plant. Give it a prune back to reduce stress. Uh, you can yeah. also get a product called Stress Guard, uh, which is like a polymer coating that you spray over the uh, over the leaves of the plant, and it uh, reduces the transpiration or the breathing of the plant. Uh, so that makes it, uh, you know, less stressed and, uh, you know, it will transplant uh, much more readily when you use that. Uh, and then, of course, it's just water, water, water. Just keep on watering the plant, uh, the grapevine, as much as possible. And uh, certainly no fertilisers or anything uh, for quite some time. Eventually, you might use some sea salt on it to prom- promote some root growth. Uh, but, look, that would uh, be, I would say, back in spring, once we get around to September or August again. If I do move it during the winter, uh, I can root prune it, can I? Yes, you can root prune it as well if you want to. So that means that I can bear the roots completely? Yes, yes, you can. So you, you can just bear the roots if you want to completely. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, you get bare-rooted roses. So, you know, they actually transport grapevines around like that in winter. The, you know, the plant's essentially asleep. It's, uh, you know, it's like it's got some anaesthetic 
going through it. So it just, you know, it doesn't feel anything. And then you put it back in the ground and it would just shoot as normal again uh, once we get back to August or September. Oh, great. Thank you very much okay, for that. Not a problem. I would definitely wait till winter. If you need to move yeah. it now, you certainly can. Yes, okay. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, Jill. Cheers. Thanks, Jill. We've got Carol now from Whitebridge. And just got a question about quarter line? Yeah, quarter line. Hey, Carol, how can we help you with it? Well, I hope it's a quarter line. You know those, um, they're, they're like a leaf and they might have red and green yeah. and yellow on the same leaf. Is that a quarter line? Yeah, that's, that's quarter line fruticosa, that one. It's the, uh, it's the big wide-leafed uh, quarter line. Uh, yeah, so what, what's, uh, what's happening with it? Well, I just don't know whether I'm killing it with kindness yeah. or I should be neglecting it, but it just doesn't seem to be growing to me. What sort of kindness are you uh, giving it? Well, I water it every day, and I've just got a feeling that I'm giving it too much water. Uh, look, have you got a saucer underneath it, or is it just... Uh, no, it's in the ground. Oh, OK. Look, watering it every day should be fine for a cordyline. Uh, you'd find if you were over-watering it, it would get actually quite soft and mushy and rot away for you. Where have you got it out in the, in the shade or in the sun? Well, part shade. No, it's more shade... It does get a bit of morning sun, but it's not in the blaring sun. OK. Uh, look, up further north, uh, where they, they actually do grow out in the full sun, but the fantastic thing about up further north is the humidity. So the cordylines actually absorb all that humidity and so they can handle being out in the full sun. Down here where it's, you know, not quite as humid and a bit drier, they don't really handle being out in the full sun. So you've got it in, a, you know, pretty much the right spot. It it's, might it's be... Not a, it's not a big leaf thing. It's only... Yeah. It's a smaller leaf, like yeah. longer. No, no, that, that's, that's fine. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah, no, you, that's the one, you, the, the quarter-line fruticosa is the one you're describing. It might be that it could do with a little bit more sunlight than just morning sun. Uh, that, right. would, that would stunt it a little bit. But that said, equally, they don't like being outside, uh, you know, in winter as well because they don't like the cold settling on them so much here in Newcastle. Uh, well, look, everyone I've seen that my friends have got, they, yeah. they live on neglect. Yes, well, but look, uh, watering it like that, you know, every day is not going to harm it. Uh, it's just if, you know, it was sitting in a saucer of water or, you know, if you had it in a pot, that wouldn't be too good for it. It might be that you need to transplant it and move it just out, uh, you know, into a position where it's going to get just a touch more sun, maybe another two hours sun for the day, and but it's still got oh, some okay. protection. Yeah, so I'm not sure if there's somewhere like that in your garden, um, but... Yeah, oh, look, yeah. if you can get half a day sun for them, I think that's pretty good. Um, try and keep them out of that hot afternoon sun, but certainly just a couple of hours in the morning is probably not enough for it, and that's probably why it's not uh, growing as well as it could be for you. Well, they're just a beautiful plant. Yeah, you know, they... I'd like to see it, bro. There's lots of different varieties. You can get all sorts of different colours. They are a very, very attractive yeah. plant, yeah. They are. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's all right. Good luck with it, Carol. Have a good day. You too, thank you. And we've got Gordon from YA on the line. He's got a question about fuchsias. It's fuchsias, yes. Hey, Gordon, how can we help you? Yeah, g'day, Scott. How you doing? Yeah, very well, mate. No, it's good to hear. Uh, I've been trying to grow a couple of fuchsias. Yes. Um, I've got two here at the moment, um, and the previous two died. The leaves are all shriveling up. Yes. Uh, and they're turning into twigs. Right, okay. And then die. Okay. <laughs> Fuchsias can get a fungal disease on them, uh, like a downy mildew. Uh, so getting a fungicide and using it as a precautionary spray is probably not a bad idea with a fuchsia. 
Um, that said, otherwise they can be a, like a funny temperamental little plant. Some people just come in and say, oh, my fish is looking fantastic. You know, they treat it with neglect. Yeah. Uh, and other people, you know, dote on them and they still don't do very well. I think it's about getting the right position for them. Uh, you know, they do like uh, to be out of the afternoon sun, but they still like a fair bit of light. So, uh, you know, giving them some sunlight until, say, 12 o'clock during the day. Uh, yes, they're on the uh, front veranda, mm-hmm. and we sort of face on the northeast direction over Lake Macquarie. Okay. Uh, so they get, yeah, sort of morning sun, but they don't get it any afternoon sun at all. Right, and when you said over Lake Macquarie, do you get the wind coming up to your place with the salt on yes. it? You do? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah, we've got the southeasterly at the moment, but the northeasterly is sort of full on. Okay, look, I think that's going to be the problem with it in that case. Uh, ah. the, yeah, they are a soft plant, so they like to be in a protected position. So if they are getting some you know, uh, salt coming up there and strong winds, that will burn them away and probably do what uh, yeah. you know, you're describing to the plant, that the leaves are just shriveling up like that. So yeah. it's more of a saltwater type of Yeah, I would try and get them into more of a protected position where they're not getting salt on them. Ah, and okay. Cer- yeah. Certainly not the wind either. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose they're, yeah, they're getting a bit of a breeze at the moment. Oh, yeah, it's not yeah. Um, I suppose when it's more nor'easterly, uh, we sort of cop it full on. Yeah, and look, and I think the nor'easter, you can get just as much salt and it can be just as damaging because it's quite relentless, the nor'easter. Um, you know, yeah. just it's just as bad as the southerly, I think. Uh, yeah, so it can be pretty strong, and uh, yeah, you can see the white caps and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. it does get a bit breezy sometimes. Yeah, so look, I, th- I think uh, that's what's happening with yours, Gordon. Okay, so just move them out the back somewhere. Yeah, most definitely, yeah, and try and get them into that sort of situation where they're protected, but they're still getting about half a day sunlight. Yeah, so more of the morning sun rather than the afternoon sun. Uh, yeah, definitely. Look, the afternoon sun will just burn them to a crisp, so uh, yeah, yeah, most definitely that morning sun. Okay, okay. That. Good on you. Thanks, Good. I'm glad we solved your mystery. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I'll, I'll put them at the back there and see how they go. Okay, yeah. excellent. Okay. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, Bye-bye. thanks, Gordon. We've got Rob now from East Maitland. And isn't his advice about spraying his lawn? How can we help you, Rob? Good day, Scott. How are you going, mate? Yeah, pretty well, pretty well. That's good, mate. Look, I've got a buffalo lawn. It's, it's not a sort of water. It's, it's the old buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at the backyard yesterday and noticed I'm, I'm getting some brown spots in it. I was wondering, is it'd be, would it be uh, lawn grub or, or, or am I too early thinking of that? Uh, look, I think it, it could be the start of lawn grub now. Uh, it has been, uh, you know, fairly slow this season, but uh, I, I think now that, uh, you know, it's starting to get towards, you know, end of February, March, that's when it's going to kick in. Uh, the other thing that happens is that, uh, you start to notice it more as well when it's been dry. So, look, I would definitely go out and get some sort of spray, uh, you know, for lawn grub and uh, treat your lawn all over. Okay. Now, is it... Is it better to get the spray or, or is it a granular thing? Yeah, yeah, there's a few different ways you can apply it. You can get the granular ones, you can get hose-on applicators, or you can just get the you know ones where it's just a liquid and you mix it up in the watering can and, and put it around. Uh, look, I guess I prefer the granular ones. Uh, I've, you know, I can actually see where it's going down. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work any, you know, better or worse than the other ones. Uh, of course, though, you, then you have to lightly water those in to uh, irrigate it down through the soil. Uh, look, I always tell people. Uh, with lawn grub, beetle, uh, crickets, the best time to do it is, you know, on dusk when they've started to come back up to the surface and they're going to move around again. Going out and doing it in the middle of the day, it's, you know, you're just going to waste that chemical. You're not going to get the result you'd get if you left it until later on that evening. 
Okay, wonderful. Because like I noticed, it's it's it got it got nailed pretty badly last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had massive massive areas of it that just just went to dead as a doornail. And I know it's, it has come back, but I've noticed that it's, it's sort of patchy in, in, here and there. Yeah. So that's why I think it'll be longer up. Yep. So look, I'd give it another go uh, with it, uh, get in there preemptively, and then again in two weeks' time. Wonderful. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thanks for that, Rob. Have a good one. Okay. Okay. Bye bye, mate. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURI FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. We've got Alison from Wanji. She's got a question about ficus. Ficus. Alison, how can we help you? Yes, Scott, I, um, I've got a couple of uh, nice ficus trees out the front and a couple of seasons ago they seemed to get like sawdust, like maybe a grub or something in them and all the foliage sort of started to die back and I cut that out um, and then they come back amazing um, this year and I'm just noticing in the last couple of days I'm getting um, a lot of the new growth is getting uh, the leaves coming up and then they're curling up and they're a really brown colour on the tips of them and I've got a lot of what looks like the tree sort of either got a grub or or rotting again. Yeah, so uh, ficus exotica, it sounds like you're describing, uh, it does get like a, a little uh, weevil or little bug that gets uh, almost like a little aphid. It gets in the leaves and starts sucking away. And you might notice some black spotting in underneath the leaves and that's the damage that it's causing. So, uh, look, the only way to really get rid of that is to use a systemic insecticide or again, try and prune it out if you can. Uh, if you want to give it another heavy prune. Yeah, I'm just um, looking at it now. Like it's got a really. I'd be lucky to get my hands around the um, trunk of this. Yeah. And right down to where it comes out the ground, it looks like it, the grub that's in there is really starting to eat down into the trunk of it as well. Oh, down to the trunk as well. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I guess, definitely. Well, yeah. there, that, that could be different to, to what I'm describing in that case. So you might have a borer weevil in there. Uh, look, there are ways to treat borer weevils. Uh, you can, uh, and there's a couple of different ways, uh, you can drill into the trunk of the tree and actually inject uh, some insecticide in there, some malathon, and then seal those holes up. Then the, that insecticide goes up through the sap stream of the tree and uh, kills anything in there. Uh, look, the other way you can do it is just to feed the tree, water it really heavily and try and actually drive those borers out and just try and make a generally healthy tree. That's just the sort of nice way of doing it. But, uh, yeah, look, if it is getting really bad, then uh, treatment, uh, you know, through uh, uh, drilling and injection really is the only way to go. Okay, all right, yeah. great. But as far as those, uh, you know, those little strips that the uh, Ficus exotica get, you would have to use some sort of... Uh, uh, you know, systemic insecticide uh, or otherwise just uh, spray again with malathon uh, if you want to, just to try and generally keep it under control, any new ones that are coming along and try and prune out any of those areas that are looking, uh, you know, overly affected. And we've got John from Saltash and he's got a question about growing herbs in pots. Hey, John, how can we help you, mate? Uh, well, apart from my matching brown thumbs, um, <laughs> I live at Baldash, I'm in the red zone and uh, because we can't grow things in the ground mm-hmm. I've decided to try and grow herbs in pots, large pots outside Yes. yes. and um, I wanted some advice about transplanting them I've been buying punnets of seedlings and transplanting them and they seem to wither up and give up the ghost in about a week's time you know. Uh, so I'm probably doing something wrong and I thought I'll get a bit of advice from the expert and uh, I don't know about the quality of the punnets I'm buying either I may have to uh, 
take a trip down to Newcastle and get some from you if you sell them. Yeah, look, uh, just in regards to the punnets, are they in single cells or are they like a little block punnet that you're having to split apart? A block punnet, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, look, the trouble with those block punnets, and, you, it, it, you know, they, that's what we had for, you know, a long time, for many, many years, and people would tease those apart and, uh, you know, get their individual plants out of them. But the cell punnets... Uh, I guess you know technology's come a long way, and it does make it a lot better. It's, you don't damage the uh, the roots of the plant very much when you're taking it out of those cell punnets. So you just give them a little bit of a squeeze, and uh, the plant merely you know pretty much just pops straight out, and you can plant it again because it's in a cone sort of uh, shape. So it just actually does come out very nicely. Uh, right. and, and then you can just pop that straight into the ground or into your potting mix and uh, off you go from there. And it's not very damaged at all. Uh, tell me about the potting mix that you're using. Um, basically, it's just a, a potting mix that I bought. Uh, I bought the first lot of Bunnings, but it's getting quite old, and I didn't know if the nutrients would sort of die away in it after a couple of years. So I, I recently bought some, unfortunately, at the supermarket, and uh, I don't know if that's quality either. So. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, look, it depends. I'm, I'm usually at the supermarket. Um, no, it's, it's not the best quality. The best thing to do is to go to a, you know, a independent garden centre. Uh, and say exactly what you're doing. I need some herb mix. So they'll give you a, a potting mix that's specifically formulated to do well with herbs. It'll have certain fertilisers in there. The pH will be a certain level. Uh, the drainage of the of the potting mix will be very, very good. Uh, and there'll be plenty of nutrients in there because, you know, people who are growing herbs, they grow very quickly and they do suck quite a lot out of the soil. So, uh, yeah, look, spending that bit, extra bit of money on, an, on a good potting mix is not a bad thing to do. Uh, if you have got big, big pots, you can just use a cheaper mix down the bottom and then put a layer of, uh, you know, better mix on the top uh, because most herbs are only fairly shallow-rooted. Uh, it's not like they're going to, you know, go down, uh, you know, 60, 60 centimetres or something like that. Uh, so if you do have, a you know, a quite a tall pot, you can use, a, you know, a cheaper well, mix on the bottom and top up up the top. At this stage, I've only got the... Um the smaller rectangular pots that mm -hmm. come with a tray underneath. Oh, okay, yep, yep. So, yeah, look, get a, a decent potty mix in that case uh, and especially formulated herb herb mix. Now, the other thing when you're, uh, you, when you're there, you should also be able to get a liquid fertiliser that's uh, specifically formulated as well for herbs. Uh, so there'll be lots of nitrogen in that. Uh, some of the other fertilisers that, you know, might prom promote flowering are not going to be fantastic for herbs because your herbs are green leafy vegetables, you know, that you're going yeah. to use in your cooking. You don't need them flowering and fruiting. It'll actually send them to seed. So, uh, for instance, coriander will go to seed very easily and you don't want a fertiliser that's going to promote that. You want something that's just going no. to promote the green leafy growth of it. Um, so, look, I think for you that's the uh, the best thing. You mentioned that you've got sources underneath those rectangular uh, pots. They're not. It's not a big, deep saucer? No, no, it's only a shallow one. Yeah, okay, that's fine because with herbs they, you know, really don't want to be sitting, uh, you know, soaking up water and getting wet feet. Uh, you know, for, for the entire uh, you know entirety of the right. day. Uh, so look, a, a pot like that with just a, a shallow tray is fine. Uh, but look, I would definitely get a decent potting mix and uh, a fertiliser right. that's uh, you know well suited to herbs. Also, uh, probably go and grab some herbs that are in those little cell packs. Uh, they do transplant a lot better. Okay, fine. And uh, one last thing, I know that um, from my son's time on radio, you guys aren't allowed to volunteer promotional stuff so 
a direct question. Do you sell that sort of potting mix and um, seedlings? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll well, come and visit in Derby Street. Thank, thank you. Thanks for that, John. And uh, those two brown thumbs, I'm, I'm sure they'll be green soon enough. Thanks, John. Starting talk back on to NURFM. We've got Brian now from Turkley, and he's got a question about the mango tree. Hey, Brian, how can we help you, mate? Well, John, just, um, I've got a mango tree at home. Yes. Like last year, it yielded a fair But this year, it didn't go to flower. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed there's a bit of greeny-like fungus growing around the tree and the leaves sort of brown up halfway yep, and okay. die off. Yep. So I would go and get a, a fungicide. Uh, there's one called copper oxychloride. Yeah, copper-based, yeah. Yeah, it's a copper-based uh, inse- uh, fungicide. And I would spray that all over the tree, up in under the leaves. Uh, now, did you yeah. say it's, there's also some on the trunk, did you? Yeah, it's growing right around the trunk. Yeah, okay. So I'd give that a good spray as well. Uh, Maybe even drenching around the ground a little bit too with the watering can. Um, And hopefully that will get rid of it, especially around the trunk. If not, uh, you could actually almost even make it into a bit of a paste and smear it up and down the trunk just to try and uh, and get rid of it that way. Just like a band-aid sort of thing over it. Yeah, but look... Not to put a band-aid over it, but just make it like a blast of band-aid yeah, and look, the, and the other reason you did mention bandages, people, um, you know, if they put them on, though, they often leave them on for too long, and then you get collar yeah. rot on the tree. So just smearing it up and down is usually yeah, the way yeah. to go. Yeah, just like a bit of bread, smear some butter on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like the veggie might <laughs> yeah. toast. Yeah. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. It's just that it didn't yield any flowers or anything. So. Yeah, look, the other thing that happens with mangoes as well, if they, even if they are flowering, you still, at that time you have to spray with Mancozer Plus, which is another fungicide, uh, oh, yeah. just to try and stop... A, they get a blossom end rot that starts in the flower and then spreads down to the fruit as it forms. So uh, if you do get flowers on it next year, give it a spray as well at that time. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. Okay, have a good afternoon, Brian. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Brian. We've got Julie now from Tilbury Bay, and she thinks she's got a pest attacking her roses. Mm. Might be grasshoppers. Might be grasshoppers. They're, they're quick-moving little buggers. <laughs> Julia, how can we help you? Um, my standard roses, are, the, the leaves have been eaten by something that's sort of... I think it's called the cut-leaf grasshopper. Ah, oh, no, there's a leaf cutter bee out there. Yeah, that's a bee or something, yeah. Yeah, so the little bee lands there and as quick as a flash, you, you can't believe how quick it is, he cuts that sort of semicircle out of the leaf of the of the rose, yeah. Um, look, he's a good thing to have around the garden. Oh, I know, okay. I, I know they do do damage to roses, but uh, your leaf cutter bee is actually, you know, it's, it's, it's a good insect to have around. Uh, it's not harming anything except for your rose, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, look, it's not really going to cause it any more harm and, than just making it a little bit unsightly. I, I wouldn't, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be out trying to get rid of um, that little guy because you probably get other bees as well in the uh, in the collateral fire in the friendly fire. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, it's not uh, not actually the, the flowers, the white flowers. It's just the leaves. Yes. Yeah. It? No, that's correct. That's what the leaf cutter bee does. Yeah. He just goes. Yeah. yeah it doesn't goes and does that. Right. We, had, we had a real party. It's like New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to. I mean, you have to um, discern that that bee. It's it's just like a little semicircle. It does. Uh, grasshoppers would generally be in there, and they'll do a lot more damage. They'll actually strip you know the the rows back, and more like chomp, more like chomping of the leaves rather than that nice neat semicircle. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Thank okay. you for your time. Enjoy your show. Okay, thanks very much, Julia.
Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Julie. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NU FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Colleen from Taralba. And she's got a question about Mariah. 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 Colleen, Hi, how can we help you? you? Um, we've got some old Mariah growing um, that previous owner has planted along the boundary fence. And it's been a long time, I think, since they've been pruned. Mm-hmm. And they're very open in the middle and very leggy. Uh, how much can I prune off them without killing them to sort of get them looking a bit more healthy? They're very green on the top. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of dead wood in there. And yeah, so look, with Marais, you can prune them lots and lots and lots and lots, almost down to the ground, I would say, and they will still shoot back for you. Now, the only trouble with doing that at this point in time of the year is that, uh, you know, within a couple of months, those plants are going to stop growing. So uh, th- that's the only thing you have to be mindful of. If you go yeah. and really give it a heavy prune now, you're only going to get a couple of months' growth uh, come back out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But that said, uh, it will be very quick once it comes, you know, you'll sit there, it'll bear for a couple of weeks and nothing will happen. Then all of a sudden it'll be, you know, whooshka. Um, the maria will just spring forward and, you know, grow for you very, very quickly. So you can give it a, a good hard prune at the moment, uh, but probably not down really, really low. Um, okay. Um, should I give it um, a good dose of, like, um, Dutch Mill or something like that yeah, when look- I'm in it? Absolutely. They, they love uh, cow manure marais. They like a slightly acidic soil. Um, okay. So, yes, you can certainly uh, give it the hard prune and then give yep. it the cow manure. Hopefully it rains or give it a good water and uh, that should also boost it on as well. A bit like it's on steroids if you all give right. it all that okay. cow manure. Yeah. Thank you so much for your help. That's right. Good luck with it, Colleen. Thanks. Okay. Bye. But Dennis from Singleton. And he's got a black spot on a large leaf jade. Doesn't sound good. Dennis, describe it to us. Uh, yeah, it's been quite good, healthy up until uh, just recently, and I've noticed uh, it's in under the shade, so it's not out in the sun. Yep. But it's uh, got this round black spot on it. Is that on all leaves or just one round black spot? Just, uh, they're scattered on not all the leaves, just some of the leaves. Okay. Uh, look, I, I guess probably the only thing that would be with jade is uh, probably a fungal disease. So I would get some Mancozeb Plus or copper spray and yep. give it a spray with that. Uh, look, the other thing that, you know, a black spot like that can be can be an insect sting and then that tissue around there dies off. That's why I was asking if there was just, you know, one or, or many on there. No, um, it seems to be spreading, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, the other thing is jade's a pretty tough plant, so for that to happen to it, it'd have to be a pretty big insect. It'd be like a dragon sort of landing on there and, and stinging it, so it's probably not that. I'm thinking I'd go grab some of that fungicide and give it a spray all over with that and then repeat again in a couple of weeks, see if that doesn't uh, get it under control. Of course, it won't repair the damage that's done, but it will stop it from spreading. Yeah, I thought it would look like a disease, but it, uh, I'm just walking out to it now. But yeah, um, it looked like a disease, but I just didn't know what to put on it. So that mancus there, does it? Or yeah, what? if you've got some fungicide at home in the shed... Uh, yeah, either copper oxychloride or Mancozeb, Mancozeb Plus, uh, that'll do the job for you. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on one side. Of, yeah, it's on one plant mainly. There's other plants yeah. similar near it. So, look, if, there are, if you do have other plants nearby, uh, give them a spray as well. Won't hurt them at all. Yep. 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 And a quick question, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, yellow leaves 
forming or the green and yellow starting and then they go to yellow on the citrus trees, a lemon and uh, nectarine. Yes. No, not nectarine, yeah, no. that's mandarin. All right. Yeah, mandarin, that's all right. Yeah, I knew where you are coming from, that's all right. Uh, look, at now, are they in pots or in the ground? They're in pots. In pots, okay. Look, citrus... And Citrus in pots are very heavy feeders, so you have to be feeding them regularly, uh, and I would say about three to four times a year. Uh, you can also use liquid fertilisers in the middle of that as well. So when I'm saying feed them, you need to give them some of that, uh, you know, pelletised, uh, slow... Food. Yes. Uh, oh, no, not citrus food, uh, because that'll be too strong for in pots. Uh, there's a product called Sudden Impact, which is actually made for roses, but it's fantastic for citrus. That's my Sudden in Impact. Yeah, that's my insider tip here at this point in time. Uh, so it will work very, very well well on uh, citrus plants and you'd use it about three to four times a year and then other uh, liquid fertilisers during the year as well. Okay. All right. So what was that one again? Um, uh, sudden impact and sudden just, impact. Yeah, and just yep. that fungicide for your uh, jade plant. Yep. Great. Thanks okay. for your help. Good on you, Dennis. Good Thank morning. you. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. We've got Simon now from Blackalls Point and he's got a question about the citrus tree. So uh, yes, mate, yes, yes. I've got uh, three young citrus trees which uh, have been in the probably about 12 months. Um, they've been very badly damaged by leaf miner. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and a couple of them, uh, it's a, uh, as you would be aware, the, the young leaves that have been attacked. But do, yeah. the question is, I, I think I've dealt with a leaf miner. But is it best to leave them on the on the tree, or should I, should I prune it all off? No, you, look, you can actually prune them off, Simon, because once they're curled up and damaged like that, they're they're not going to you know work as a little uh, energy source for the plant. So you might as well give it a prune off. Now, the other thing that pruning it off does as well is it actually generates new growth coming on. Uh, but that said, if you do that at this time of year, then the citrus leaf miner is going to go, oh, fantastic, some nice new growth, juicy growth. Let's have a go at that again. So uh, I'd go and get some eco oil. It's a preventative. It, it forms a coating over the leaf uh, that, sto that stops the, uh, the weevil getting in there and uh, that little grub that gets in between the membrane. And when you start to see some new growth come on the plant, go out and start spraying with eco oil. Uh, look, we use it about once a week. Uh, I know the instructions say about once every two weeks, but once a week seems to work a treat. doesn't hurt the plant in any way. It's just forming a coating. Uh, and it, it really does work very well. It's not going to get rid of all of them, uh, but it certainly slows down that citrus leaf minor damage that occurs to your citrus. I'm much obliged, dear. Yeah. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Have a nice afternoon, Simon. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Simon. I think we've got a couple more minutes left, so we could mm. squeeze in one more caller. Okay. And we've got Jane from Hawaii Point, and she's got a question about jacarandas. Oh, no, we don't. No, no we don't. But, uh, look, I was probably going to give Jane bad news anyway because the jacaranda is one of my most hated trees. Right. I, I say that with very... That's right. You, yes, do. you yes, hate them. I hate them. I hate them. They're, they're not a good tree. They spread their horrid little leaves everywhere and then when they flower, they might look beautiful, but they spread their nasty, nasty flowers all over the ground as well. So I would never have a jacaranda, um, you know, within 25 metres of your house. Right, yeah. 25 metres. 25 metres, yes. I've got that down to an exact an exact measurement. That sounds like a restraining order. It does, doesn't it? It's got an AVO out on, on that poor old jacaranda. You will not come within. Now, we mentioned a bit earlier about transporting plants from a pot to 
I can't remember what the plant was oh, called. Oh, well, yes, we're going to talk about peace lilies, weren't yeah, we? That's yes, it, peace yes. Lilies. Very, very good of you to remind me of that. Yeah, peace lilies, uh, spathophyllums, uh, people quite like them. They're a great indoor plant, but uh, sometimes they just start to get a little bit big for the pot, get a little bit pot bound. Uh, then you start to get yellowing leaves. You don't necessarily get uh, too many flowers uh, off them. So if you want to, you can actually repot them. You pop them out of the of the pot you've got them in, and if you get a sharp knife, uh, you can in fact uh, split those in half or even into into quarters if you want to. Yep. Uh, just with a very sharp knife, just cut you know straight down through the middle of the root ball, uh, through the sort of the base of the plant. Uh, and then again, and you'll get your quarters and you just repot them. Might look a little bit uh, shaggy, you know, for a couple of months, but eventually it will just start to even out and spread out and fill up the pot again for you. So, uh, yes, if you've got uh, your, your favourite um, spath, your favourite peace lily, you can certainly uh, either uh, just give it a root prune and uh, keep it in the you know one pot or you can make little babies from it and uh, give them away to friends. Very good. Scott Sharp, well, we've only got a couple of seconds left, so if there's anything you'd like to mention... Now's your time. Uh, look, I was just going to talk about Kentia palms very briefly, but I guess we could leave that for next week if you want. We could to. leave that for next week. Yeah, Kentia palms. Kentia palms. One of my favourite palms, actually. I've got a couple out in my backyard in pots. Uh, in your top five palms? Uh, I could be my top one palm. The one palm. My top one palm. Yes. Yeah. You only need one palm, and you. That's the Kentia. That's all you need. And you've got a tropical uh, backyard. But I think we can talk about them next week if you we want can. to. Scott Sharp, we are sadly out of time. We could talk about Kentia palms all day, but off to the Oscars for us. Off to the Oscars. It's regarding talk back on to FM. It's Scott Sharp. I'll catch you next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>